cliffcentral.com. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Books Unpacked with Super Lead. Have you ever wanted to read more books, leadership and business books, but you simply just do not have the time? Imagine you could read a book per week. How awesome will that be? And how much more impactful could your leadership be? A lot of us have these demanding jobs and countless responsibilities. So we end up with bookshelves with more books we intend to read than those we have actually read. My name is Mandaj Flaram, the CEO at Superlead, which is a strategy consulting and leadership coaching organization. And on this show, we deep dive into a leadership topic, which we anchor in a book that we feature per episode. And we share actionable insights to advance your leadership excellence. And we are proudly sponsored by Holland Life Solutions. I'm joined here in studio by my co-host, Ngobile Ngobo, who is a director at Alpha International. Mobile, welcome to today's show. Hi, Amanda. Good to be back. Fantastic, fantastic. And uh, so, so today we are we are talking about you know a topic very, very close to my heart. Um, and and I'm like always looking for books to read in this in this topics and in this uh, in this topic. And um, and I was I was incredibly happy to to stumble upon this book. Um, and really. What we, we want to unpack today is, is how more and more companies and organization can be more purpose driven. Mm. I think it's such a, it's become such a, um, such an imperative to have organizations be more purpose driven. Most people talk about it and, uh, but really haven't done the deep work of figuring out how to be more purpose driven. Mm. And we have a pep- uh, perfect book for this. Yes, we're doing Deep Purpose by Ranjay Gulati, the heart and soul of high performance companies. Yeah. <laughs> and you're excited. <laughs> no, as, as I was telling you, uh, outside this, 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 uh, this book is just, it's, it's incredibly deep. That's mm. one. Um, as you can tell from the title and it's, it's heavy. It's really packed. Um, we'll do our best to cover as much as we can. Yeah. Um, but needless to say that, I think it's now become a well accepted um view that um companies that sort of know and have a sense of purpose mm-hmm. um uh, it seems to you know be high performing uh, companies and the challenge is even though that sort of is known um that corporate purpose you know can't be captured or be seen visibly on the in the PNL you you don't really see that on the stock price or on the market capitalization mm-hmm. so so then it becomes this 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 uh, this this thing that's uh, that evades a lot of leaders because you know we want to see the tangible yeah. we want to see the numbers yeah. and yet we are saying you know there's a sense of purpose if you lead from there you know the performance is going to be incredible and they're like yeah show it to me yeah yeah it's interesting because we we started off in one of the early podcasts talking about purpose like yeah. living a life of purpose from your from yourself and sort of your own person and so now looking at it from the company perspective is really interesting and i agree that you do you know you can see the difference between companies that you see like oh they really seem to really have a purpose in what they're doing and those they don't so excited to dive into how Ranjay um, defines it and it kicks off with this quote um, from uh, from the the, the CEO of of BlackRock saying that without a 
true sense, a sense of purpose, no company, either public or private, can achieve its full potential. Mm. And if you lead uh, in, in, in a company, perhaps you're an entrepreneur, or if you lead in any capacity in an organization, uh, to you know, to lead and not help the organization achieve its full pot, uh, potential, I think that will be said. Mm. And um, and and they're kind of saying that a sense of purpose might be th- that answer for you. Yeah, yeah. So should we start off about what is purpose in this sense? You know, so that we're all on the same page around how Ranjay defines the purpose in this case. Hundred percent. So, you know, in his first chapter, he, he's got he's got this this title of the uh, the chapter says, "What is purpose really?" <laughs> um, and and I think to contrast it, he kind of builds a story towards that. So to contrast it, he kind of notes that most leaders think of purpose functionally or instrumentally, right? Regarding it as a tool that they can sort of wield. Um, but however, you know, he's done this study where he he picked um, he actually looked. He studied um, a bunch of annual financial statements for many, many companies. Mm-hmm. And then he leaned closer to those that had a lot of things that they spoke about uh, that speaks to purpose. And then I think he narrowed down to 59, he narrowed down to, to a few. Then he went and immersed himself in those organizations um, and studied all kinds of things from how they make decisions, how purpose is lived in the organization, etc., etc. Yeah. Then he then kind of says he notices that there are the companies that he calls deep purpose companies. Mm-hmm. And he's reti- written this book to say these deep purpose companies, here's what they do and compared to everyone else. And the everyone else, in most cases, he kind of refers to people and leaders that kind of take a purpose statement and they kind of just have it as a tool, really, like as a something that, that you have, you know, you need to have it on the wall. Yeah. Um, and, and the first thing he starts by doing is to say, Deep purpose companies and leaders, they don't use purpose, which we're going to unpack in a bit, as a tool. Like they don't use it as a, as a, you know, as a leader, you must have a purpose statement, a mission statement, a vision statement. They don't use it as that. They actually use this as something more fundamental, which is an existential statement that expresses firm's reason for being. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a, a corporate purpose. Um, in this context Yeah, yeah So it's not just like a marketing tool <laughs> Yes, yes, yes because, <laughs> because, so, so, so people will be like Okay, yeah, I need a purpose And then that will help my team perform, right? Yes, so, yeah. so that will motivate them with our purpose yeah. light. So let's conjure up one And yes. let's give it to some agency Let them like uh, put some, some, some bells and whistles around it And say, go, you have yes. a purpose Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love this Because he talks about how, you know Um with these companies that he talks about, these leaders that he's isolated, that they're not just pursuing a purpose, that they actually are projecting it faithfully onto yeah. a world. And so it's actually guiding. So he says the organizing principle yeah. that shapes decision making um, in the company. So, yeah. And they transcend literally the sort of the, the pursuit of profit and commercial advantage um, and to really rendering service to society mm. um, or humanity in some way. Yeah. And, here is where most people are like, yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you. Yeah, you know, we're gonna do good, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, we also have our purple statement, and my team also has a purple statement. But then it starts to get tricky. Yeah. Because he separates deep purpose, mm-hmm. um, from convenient purpose. Mm. 
And most organizations and most leaders have what they call a convenient purpose. So um, a, a convenient purpose, it literally ranks it from like, like terribly poor convenient purpose to a relatively better convenient purpose. But still, that's not that's not deep enough to really achieve those benefits that we talk about when we say, you know, if you have a sense of purpose, you're going to achieve your full potential. Yeah. So what is convenient purpose? So convenient purpose is, uh, it's one of those, uh, purpose statements that you put out there that says all the right things, but they don't quite translate into what the organization does. Mm. At an extreme end, you might find an organization with a great uh, purpose statement, but yet they, are, they go and sell and se- uh, products and services that cause harm to Key stakeholders, um, and you know, we we don't uh, you know single out um, any companies, uh, you know, depending on people's moral perspectives. But there are companies that exist with um, fantastic people statements, but they they just do so much harm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one end. On the other end, you find. Um, companies that, that use, have a purpose statement, but yet use to shield a lot of criminal activities even. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, the likes of Enron. Um, yes. They had a fantastic purpose statement. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Holmes yes. of Theranos. She had this amazing, just like heart gripping story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Purple statement, but you know they kind of say they used that to to sort of shield the the these 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 uh, criminal activities, and he calls those companies at that lower level of convenient uh, purpose. He calls them, you know, they, these companies yield. They show what they call purpose. As a disguise. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like, we are here to change the world, yeah. but yet inside you, you know, you kind of, you, you're robbing stakeholders and you, you, uh, you know, you're uh, propagating just, just crazy amounts of fraud and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, so that's at the lower level of convenient, um, uh, purpose. Amazing. So then what's the next level? So the next level of convenient purpose companies is uh, what what he what what he calls sort of these companies that may not be doing you know you know like arguably harmful things or they might not be doing fraudulent things, but they are companies that have a grand purpose statement, but they practice what he calls purpose on the periphery. Okay. Right. So, so they adopt a purpose statement and they take some steps to deliver on that. Um, but they, they treat these like wonderful human centered things, um, as secondary and yes. not as core. Yeah. They've got their core business over here that seemingly is just a machine, a commercial mm. machine. And they've got some three CSR uh, um, corporate social responsibility yes. activities that talks to I don't know alleviating pain yes. and, and suffering etc. Et yeah. But that's like a tiny one percent like 
contribution to their whole mm. organization. Mm. Okay, so maybe for some people, <laughs> different <laughs> companies are are coming to mind. Yeah, um, of course. Of yeah, because you can sort of see that. You're like, oh yeah, I do see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe what's the highest level of convenient purpose? So I suppose these are the ones that are close to being deep purpose, but they're not quite there yet. Yes, yes, yes. So you've got um, these ones are a trick to also um, identify because these companies are doing real well, right? Mm. So they're not p- doing bad. Um, they they do. They're not having uh, purpose as a periphery. Yeah. Um, and also these companies that have got purpose as a periphery, they might like practice like sort of a portfolio view of of, of their organization, right? You know, like you get three lines of products and services, and there's like one here that feels that's got like a societal impact, right? Yeah. So, so you've got this one as a as a periphery. But the 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 third one, which is sort of higher than purpose on the periphery, are these companies that are. Um, Genuinely trying to pursue a win-win kind of approach to doing business, mm-hmm. right? They are, they are, they are, they do their best to pursue a societal good, a, a humanity kind of centered, um, uh, saving some humanity centered purpose, uh, which is, which is, uh, you know, applaudable. And they are also trying to do that and also pursuing profit, obviously, like almost at the same levels. Yeah. The challenge with these win-win, um, sort of companies, he, he, he kind of says the problem is their purpose sometimes gets sort of, um, relegated to sort of a lower level. Um, in, when, when, say, they have to make a decision where profit probably makes more sense, mm. right? Uh, the, and they only pursue only those purpose things that have a clear link to profit. Okay. Um, so if you're, if you have a, a broader purpose about alleviating pain and suffering for, you know, for, un, for, for women in, I don't know, uh, making this purpose statement, uh, <laughs> for women in a certain geography, mm. um, and if that's broad enough and that's tangible enough, these win-win companies, they will only do those specific things that can meet the two. So they fall short of truly kind of saying our full reason for existing is to do this good. And when a project feels like, yeah, this one doesn't have like the highest margins we're looking for yet, it's got, you know, purpose impact, you know, they, they kind of fall shy and then they go back to kind of saying, okay, we, we, we're not going to do this. We're going to just, they still have shareholder uh, supremacy as a guiding principle, even though they do their best to kind of get some win-win solutions. Okay. Okay. So those are the three levels of convenient purpose. Um, but now we obviously want to jump into then what does deep purpose look like to begin to see how then, you know, how the teams we lead or the companies that we see can move into that area. Um, so how does he just find deep purpose? <laughs> so, so, so deep purpose, uh, uh, companies are these companies that deliver exceptional value to stakeholders. Um, and, uh, they, they sort of, the, that purpose is elevated beyond merely the commercial logic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're willing to kind of be inconvenience the, the commercial side of things in pursuit of this existential reason for being. Okay. And this deep, uh, the, the, and I think the, the word deep is even more relevant here, is that this deep, pe- this purpose has, 
for these companies has become like a guiding light for every decision. Yeah. This 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 purpose is how they hire people, mm. is how they 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 design and innovate. These purposes literally transcend all their systems. Um, and and purpose is not something that's spoken about on the side every now and again mm. or at the town hall or at induction. But like Every other day you can kind of sense what these people are doing. Uh, it's mm. coming out of that deep sense of purpose. Yeah, yeah. Sort of says it, you can see it's their reason for being. Yeah. As you said. And, um, and, and, and it's, it's not just a tool, right? It's not like, it's not like a tool to, to motivate people. It's not, a, it's not just a tool to, to kind of, you know, say this to, um, to investors. Mm. It really is, hey, if we are not saving these papers, we, we don't have a, a reason to come to work. That's really good. He uses a quote from psychologist William Damon who says, purpose is a stable and generalized intention to yeah. accomplish something that yeah. is at the same time meaningful to the self and consequential for the world beyond the self. Absolutely. Um, and so he says, similarly, deep purpose leaders orient their organizations existentially around the North Star yeah. of purpose. Yeah. Which... Um, Seems very ideal, <laughs> but I, so it'd be interesting to see, sort of like unpack or start thinking about some examples of this. But you can definitely see um, those companies where uh, the purpose of what they're serving the world for is very clear in every action they make. Yeah, and 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 this cuts through the pep, the decision making process. Yes, and he kind of says there's sort of four. You know, typology of decision making in many organizations, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the, and, and he kind of says there are those companies that are underachievers. You know, they, they make the decision. They, they're companies that in decision making, they, they, they don't, you know, they're never doing well, uh, you know, financially, um, or com- from a commercial logic, nor do good from a, um, a purpose and mm. a saving society perspective. Okay. So that's like, right. Okay. You know, you don't seem to have a good sense of purpose. No, is your is company performing? <laughs> your profit yeah. formula working? So that's that's at the lowest level. The second one is there are companies that sort of have this um, purpose with profit. Those ones that we spoke about that, that, that pursue the win-win solutions. Yeah. Um, they 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 kind of try to do these solutions to also do well financially while doing good. The only mm-hmm. challenge is that they underestimate the existence of trade-offs because at a real deep um, uh, a purpose company you know sometimes you might want to pursue a project that in the short term doesn't feel like it's got good commercial logic but it's got high purpose logic therefore you know, you're gonna do everything in in your power to make it work. Anyway, so there's goes they've got those that po- uh, profit with purpose with profit. Second one is the one that people that kind of make third one, sorry, <laughs> uh, profit first yeah. kind of companies. The, the company does well, uh, but largely fails to do good, yes. or they relegate yeah, the, yeah. the the social stuff to so like a side to a side hustle. <laughs> then. Then there's other ones. He calls these ones the good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. These are companies, you know, that do good largely, but they fail to do well financially. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you get these companies that are like, you know, we, 
don't care about money. Mm. We just want to do good. And uh, maybe in the beginning they get an investor who puts money in, but they don't use that those resources to find a commercial viable um, formula yeah. to make sure that they, are sust- they can sustainably do good. Yes. Right. Because, um, you know, you, someone might listen to us here and they're running a business. They're like, okay, you know, we're going to be all about purpose now. <laughs> don't worry about it. You can spend all you want and don't worry about invoicing anyone. But it's, uh, um, it's, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and so he kind of paints those four sort of a typology of decision making to say that deep purpose companies practice three things. One, first they aim at all the time, profit, purpose with profit. Yeah. Second thing is deep purpose leaders avoid profit first decisions that only yield commercial gain with no prospect for social benefit. Mm. And that's a, that's a principle as a leader to say, right, the, the team has brought this, this, this project. Um, it looks like, you know, the ROI is great and, you know, the, um, all the, the investment metrics they line up so we like it mm-hmm. um but deep purpose leaders they will avoid taking that pro- uh, that that um that project on mm. and then the third one is deep purpose leaders they go bold right and but that is to say <clears throat> yeah it might look like it's a summer good summer return idea but they go bold in trying to find a profitable or commercial logic that will help this you know Societal good um, uh, project or idea uh, be sustainable in the future. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's really um, interesting because even with those that he's the sort of principles um, of practical idealism yeah. that he says, of deep purpose, um, he talks about how they, they can be the caveat in, in each one. So even when you said around the second one of they avoid profit first decisions that have no, com- you know, that only yield commission commercial gain with no social uh, benefit that if they see something that is profitable now that might one day do good they might take that on and go as far as possible to adapt it yeah and so it's not just you know making these sort of cut and dry decisions of yeah. saying this is no social good it's just saying well long term yeah. will this benefit the social the social good which i think is really good to to see because then it's achievable as you work on Becoming a company that really lives out that purpose Absolutely, absolutely So what we're going to do is Potentially just kind of demonstrate how Being a deep purpose company or leader um, Bring about this high performance That that, that we, we are claiming for And what we're talking about And then we're going to talk about One or a couple of A few things that he ha- highlights For for companies to consider in trying to find their their purpose, mm-hmm. and hopefully, maybe if time allows, we'll conclude about some purpose derailers. Okay. Right, some companies will be like, okay, yeah, we once had a purpose, we have a purpose, oh, and then, but like they're derailed by by some elements. Yeah. So some elements to watch out for in in your pursuit to lead as a deep purpose leader. Okay. Right, so, you know, in the same sense I mean, he he really highlights this throughout the book That, you know Purpose is not this kind of text That some business leaders feel like they have to to kind of have and then they're kind of treating it like okay we need to do some some people stuff right Mm -hmm. and there are four tangible ways that having a sense of purpose that's ingrained in your business helps you 
achieve high performance than you're currently uh, achieving at the moment. These um there's a there's a directional benefit. Okay. There's a relational benefit. There's a reputational benefit, and there's a motivational benefit. So. And the directional benefit of having a deep purpose is that if you do have that deep purpose, that sort of helps you to channel your innovation and, you know, the, 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 and, and give you focus on, you know, what you actually do instead of pursuing all kinds of ideas and end up sort of losing um, on, on all fronts. I remember attending a, a conference not long ago and Adrian Go was, was speaking there and, um, and you know most people understand the discovery is very innovative and he, he was kind of saying innovation doesn't come from you know this abundant of research but it comes from a deep sense of purpose mm. once you have a deep sense of purpose all the activities and the thinking and all of that stuff and the research then helps you innovate yeah. but it's not the other way you don't just like oh there's a bunch of research maybe from a whole host of these things we might find innovation mm. you want to have that directional north star that then kind of helps you you almost kind of gives you a sense of look uh, knowing what you're looking for already yeah. And uh, without that sort of North Star Innovation sometimes can be superficial At yeah. best Yeah, no, that's really good It's like, what are we what are we creating for? What are we creating yeah. for? And yeah. it's at that tension of You know, we're really driven by this We want to solve this problem How do we do it in a way that is commercially sustainable? That's where real innovation comes, mm. uh, comes from mm. So so having this deep sense of purpose, you get good direction and also it focuses the efforts of the organization towards one, you know, one rallying cry, if it were. The North Star. The North Star. Mm-hmm. The North Star. So the second one. The lever two. <laughs> relational. He said it makes it more relational. Exactly. So deep uh, purpose helps you sort of sustain one credibility and trust with sort of an ecosystem of partners um, mm. and helps you establish these long term relationships with strategic partners and suppliers and everyone else. Um, because you, you, once, once people know what you're about and what you're trying to achieve, they might also even help you innovate because they kind of know that, okay, this company in the downstream, the, what they're trying to do really is to go full on green, um, and et cetera, et cetera. Let's say that's, that's sort of what you're driving, um, for climate change. Um, so, so you, so, so the ecosystem of your partners have a better understanding of what you do and they trust you because they know you're not in this for, you know, a quick buck here and there, but you're really doing this to serve a, a much higher purpose. Yeah, it builds trust, I suppose. It absolutely yeah. does. Between all the stakeholders and collaborators and allows you to then find the right people to collaborate with absolutely. when you're doing certain projects. It's like, do they align with what we're trying to achieve absolutely. Um, as our goal? Yeah, and then the other, the third one is the reputational. Mm-hmm. So, so this one helps you kind of build the affinity, loyalty, and the trust with your customers and mm-hmm. and society as a whole and, and your community. And more and more, you see now, you know, customers are looking for brands that stand for something, yeah. right? In a lot of the social issues. So, yeah. once you have that deep sense of purpose, you 
you you are, can be known that you stand against this, you stand for this, and when something happens, I think more and more people are expecting CEOs to stand up for mm. for have a view on on some of these social ills that we see, yeah. um, and sometimes you're finding leaders to say, do you comment on this? Do you not comment on that? And and that hesitation really comes from potentially not having that deep purpose running through the organization. Yeah, and you're beginning to see around this reputational one really people calling out that one of the first convenient purpose um, points that we you spoke about around uh, companies that use purpose as like a marketing tool or as like a facade is that yeah. you're really seeing people you know call that out yes, yes, yes. to say like you know well if you look behind I think there was even a thing on on uh, Twitter where you know on International Women's Day people were saying like you know companies were saying happy International Women's Day then there was an account that was actually reposting and saying well actually this is how many women are employed at, these, at this company <laughs> or like this is the or women earn this much less than the male employees of this company and it's like people are really starting to say to challenge like yeah. is, is what you're calling out or standing for just for mm. Marketing purposes yes, Or yes. is it really Something that you believe in As your purpose No true And then he also says <laughs> uh, In the book as well That Being a convenient company Can cost you Reputationally In the mm. exact same way That you just described mm. um, Because more and more People are starting to see Below the The, the marketing slogans Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think especially With um, what we're seeing In research with, with Gen Z Yeah Is that for them In particular Something yeah. that is Extremely important And so if they are Becoming the big market share Yeah um, Companies really have to Understand that they're Not going to accept Just the, the, the Facade marketing And the happy youth <laughs> What do you really Stand the for <laughs> Yeah <laughs> what do you really stand for? No, that is true. Um, and and, the, and the, the the fourth um lever that drives performance in this deep purpose company is motivational. Mm. Um, because the sense of deep purpose, you know, it kind of gives work an elevated view. Um, it you know it kind of helps you inspire your your team and employees. It's not longer just a transaction. It's it's uh, it's about something bigger, something more uh, than than just um, crunching numbers on the spreadsheet. Yeah, I think that um, if you if at work you're having a bad day, but you know that what you're doing is contributing to something bigger. Um, it sort of is that motivation again to come back and say this is what we're building, and and with this you build um, intrinsic motivation mm. um, that that just that that you leverage that discretionary effort where people are emotionally invested in the organization largely because they can see you know the purpose and what you're trying to do, and they also see you. You know, stand in that, in that, um, in that uncomfortable place where you're, you're, you know, either debating and trying to figure out how do we, how does this decision, how does, you know, investing in this way, how does hiring this person align to our purpose, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So that when purpose is practiced pretty much every day, that gives people that in, intrinsic motivation to even go an extra mile. Yeah, yeah. And I think especially like after the last two years we were saying I think we saw I saw the other day as article about how the great resignation has hit the shores of South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> but people are wanting to feel that they're waking up every day contributing to something bigger, that there's meaning. Yeah. Um, especially with what we've had to sacrifice the last two years in terms of how we work. Exactly. And you can't do that 
with convenient purpose, mm. with uh, a, a fancy PR-generated uh, slogan. Mm. Um, this has to be deep because, yeah. you know, people who are working in the organization, they see you make all the decisions, right? Yeah. They see you hire this one, promote this one, yeah. and, and um, you know, implement this system, put this policy in place, all of these things. If they're not linked to purpose, you know, it's... Uh, um, it's it's just not good enough. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So, so he says that you may wanna. Here's a couple of things you may wanna kind of consider when you are wanting to craft your corporate um, purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which is looking back, and yeah. and then he you know he gives a beautiful story of Lego. Um, at one point, you know, they, they were doing badly and, and as part of a turnaround, they brought in this, this, this uh, relatively younger CEO. Um, and, uh, he, he spent just a lot of time going way back, studying the history of Lego, mm. what the early employees and the founders, what they really wanted to achieve with yeah. this business. So, so in most cases, you know, you get someone comes in, they want to turn things around. They're like, forget everything that was done. Yeah, guys look ahead. But he says a true authentic Pepo statement largely might be traced way back to what the founders and the early employees were looking to achieve. Mm. And that's the one of the first things you may want to consider uh, to say, why don't we study the history of this organization? Yeah. What were we about back then before you know we lost our passion and, and, and soul through all the, the systems and the policies and the processes that, <laughs> that come with uh, bureaucracy yeah. of, of corporates? Yeah, and I think that's really good even for you know sort of our organization when we hear from the founder or you know the, the f- sort of the founding team. Um, even things that happen now that you might think oh it's just how we do things, they may so much sense when you hear from you know why was this put in place or why yeah. is this a part of what we do so looking back is really good and and um and you also kind of what is also about these these organizations that no longer have their founding directors sort of still involved right mm. so in your organization the founders the founders are still there that that soul of the organization if it were is still there yeah. and and people can easily still sense that that energy that that propelled the organization to happen to to come yeah. to being over time when the organizations that no longer have their founding um their founding directors yeah. you know with time sometimes they start to lose that that soul yeah. um and it's something that he kind of wants leaders to guard against which is why he says and the second thing you want to consider doing is you must create and foster critical dialogue about the past. Okay. Right. Most organizations like talking about the future. Yeah. When you bring uh, Exco together for a two-day session, you know they are thinking about it. where is technology, what's the trends. Mm. But he's he's kind of saying let's have these robust discussions um, about where we come from, what worked in, in the early nineties, and and what were we trying to achieve? What were what were some of the big mistakes we made? Mm. Um, I, I was um, I was in a session and CEO of one of these organizations. 
um, was kind of he he did this uh, so beautifully in, in the week that we were preparing to do this. But yeah. then he, he he we were facilitating this 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 session, and we brought the CEO for 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 a time to kind of talk about the history. And he spoke about you mm. know why the where the how the organization was founded, what was the key insight that drove most of the decision, mm. and 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 what was. What was so refreshing is like, oh, we made such a big mistake there, and then we did that. We forgot our, our, you know, purpose. our purpose. <laughs> we, we were trying to be opportunistic. Oh, here we this we made this emotional decision because mm. we lost the deal with that one, and then we went to just buy that other cover. It was just so refreshing to see how how they sort of embrace their history. Yeah. They can learn from all the mistakes they made when they were off purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so the second thing he spoke, speaks about is let's have these robust discussions about the past. Yeah, that's so good because um, he highlights the story of Steve Jobs and how Steve, at the near the end of his life, became concerned with how to perpetuate his legacy. So, started Apple University. Yeah. This idea of succession planning yes, or yes, yes. you know leadership development yeah. within the organization. Yeah. Hearing from you know learning from. The past and history yeah. and mistakes and where we've come from and this is why we're making these decisions today yeah. is such a good way to keep purpose in the, in the DNA yes. of your company. Absolutely, mm. um, and and there it's also about hey, this is how we make decisions here. And this is what matters to, for us. Technology and strategies and the trends they will change, but this is what we're about. Um, the third one is that you must stress test your purpose. Yeah. So, if you're a leader today. And there's a purpose statement on your wall. The question is, is, does it, is, is it relevant today? Yeah. Um, you know, cause that purpose statement needs to be both timely and timeless, mm. right? Um, yes, let's study from the past. Let's bring those elements in. Are there some things that may have shifted under the surface that needs a revision of your purpose statement? Yeah. Right. Um, and also, do you just have a purpose statement? Is it convenient? Is it linked to anything at all in the yeah, organization yeah. except for one uh, visit at an orphanage uh, once a year on, on Mandela's Day? Um, <laughs> so, so these are, these are really difficult questions to, yeah. to engage with. And, um, you know, most of us are just looking for the, okay, I made my targets and I move on. Yeah. Um, and that's why we're getting all of these things that we, we're finding deep. Resig- uh, not deep resignation, <laughs> the great resignation, etc. Et yeah, yeah. And I think that's really good um, in terms of making sure that it becomes in a living and breathing document. It's about being able to question critically and challenge. You know, do we? What do we need to refine in this to ensure that it it, it remains timeless yeah. in what we're trying to achieve? Absolutely. So one of the few things looking at the time to, to consider also is once you have that, mm-hmm. you know, we need to start to ingrain it into the organization. Yeah. Right. One of the first things to do is to communicate it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what normally happens in, in many organizations, they will have, I, I, I've been, I've seen a lot of these. They will have a leader will kind of tell a story of one person, uh, that, that like, I don't know. You know, they were stranded and their family had these and then they, our company's product held them to recover and now they are doing this. Or like if you are in the financial services, you know, there was this family and they (laughs) wanted to do this and because they had an investment portfolio with us, this and that, you know, 
this family passed away and then the children had their life cover and then took them to school. Now this person is a doctor, right? So we love those stories. Mm. Um, I, I imagine in your organization as well, there's, there's quite a number of these where people have seen transformed, transformed lives. Mm. What leaders kind of fall short of, they tell those stories, but those are not enough mm. because you need to tell that story in the context of the big story of this organization yeah. about what are we about what what are we trying to shift in our in our environment mm. um how where do we see the world as a whole yeah. the story of Mobile who was stranded on the highway and because we supply tires and we helped her and then she got to job interview and then now she's the CEO of this company. That's not enough to hold people for, um, for, for the long haul. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, I guess the, the note there is to say, let's go beyond the yeah. anecdotes. Yes. Uh, yeah, when, yeah. when we are communicating our, our, um, our purpose. Yeah, yeah. So how do we tell the story? How does it link? So, so looking at the time, maybe we can just highlight a few derailers of um, of purpose. Okay. Because many of us, I think, we kind of might might buy into the idea of purpose, and we're like, okay, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. Uh, and this is gonna kind of say this is gonna be hard unless you watch out for um, sort of a couple of these things. And um, so he's got four of these things. He kind of calls them. One is the Personification paradox, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is death by inadequate measurements. Okay. The third one is the do-gooders dilemma, mm-hmm. and then the fourth one is the purpose strategy split. I'm gonna run through these like super fast. <laughs> okay, the personification paradox. So, so normally, you know, you might find this sort of leader who personifies the, the purpose, right? Yeah. And you, you, and in most cases, the founder, right? And you're like, yeah, I can see the, 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 the person. When they move on, sometimes that gap, there's a gap. Mm. And the next team that comes in, they don't now all of a sudden personify that purpose. And we kind of get left in limbo. Mm. And what he kind of just wants and just asks leaders to watch for is succession planning has to be beyond this person can do the job. It has to go, does the next person also embody the, um, the, 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 the purpose of the organization, if mm. it were. Because, mm. cause, uh, you know, the purpose might live with the person. Yes. Because right? like, yes. yeah. that was the person that drummed and spoke about it and preached it, etc., etc., when they move on. Like, right. I mean, think of uh, church organizations, right? Mm. Um, where you, you get the, the pastor and person, personifying this, mm. uh, the purpose of this organization. And when they move on, the yeah. new set of leadership uh, doesn't seem to carry the same yeah really good and he highlights that you know that leadership succession planning can be a part of addressing that as well absolutely so the second one he, he kind of calls it death by inadequate measurements mm-hmm. um the real cha- this is a real challenge because um the measurements we have are largely 
driven by are, are largely commercial yeah and most companies are battling and there's many ways to kind of try this but um the the one to just highlight is that you might want to have a a combination of metrics mm-hmm. most of which can point towards the purpose um and and uh but this don't take it for granted because the, what you measure most it's likely going to be the thing that that gets um that you know that gets delivered really and uh, let's 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 wrestle with some of the metrics and and he highlights one of the professional services companies that that have done this very well um uh, kind of put together a multi stakeholder kind of metric to measure uh, their senior most leaders mm. great and then the third one is the do good as dilemma yep so um you know this we spoke about the this the, the good samaritan uh you know people who who sometimes just want to pursue the the social good and not pay close attention to the economic logic mm. the challenge here is if this goes for a long term you find that maybe the economic environment changes the funders are no longer able to support or the donors are no longer able to support it's critical to to as you do good to work through your economic logic yeah. How do we create our own um, uh, Profit formula yeah. To make sure that we're sustainable For, for the long time Yeah it's really good It's such a balance Especially if someone starts something Because they just They want to sort of Solve this issue Or pursue the social good Yeah That it can be hard To bring in that understanding Of uh, the profit aspect the, the, This 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 commercial piece mm. is, is key mm. and, uh, and and sometimes We, we, we relax because in the moment, uh, our funders are, are pouring in the money, or we we are in series six of funding, or our donors are, are providing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, it, it just kind of it's just great to watch out for what happens in case X happens, like yeah. you know, uh, um, our funders pull out or something like that. Yeah. Um, the last one is. It really, this one hurts um, for me, <laughs> and, and it's the work we kind of really do a lot around, which is the purpose strategy split. Mm. So most organizations will kind of you know pick up trends and things, and or there's like some short thing, short term strategy, or some other shiny thing, and they kind of pursue all kinds of strategies and very slowly start to drift away from the purpose. Yeah. And the idea is your strategy must emanate from your purpose. Yeah, and that's it's it's um it says easy but it does hard yeah to have your strategy being informed by your purpose yeah really great yeah i think we can pause there and um and i hope we have given our listeners a, a, quite a bit to to think about uh to to really consider deeply whether or not um uh you know is is purpose any relevant to your company um, is it even clear in your company? Um, how do you make those decisions? Do you wrestle with the trade-offs and lean more towards uh, purpose? Um, as a as a company, are you driving uh, you know your strategy from a sense of purpose? Um, uh, you know, have you studied the past to really grasp the authenticity of the founding? You know. Ideals uh, of of the organization 
to link that power uh, to inform your future. Um, and uh, are you telling a good big story about your purpose? Or are you just relying on some one or two anecdotes and and some 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 messages you got on inbox of someone <laughs> who used your product and now they're like uh, they're, they're doing amazing things? Yeah. And um, are you inspiring people in your organization to leave out their purpose? Yeah. Um, and is your organization a platform where people can really come? And and uh, showcase who they are. Yeah, really good. Deep so that, purpose. So so if any of these questions are, um, uh, if the, some of the answers are not favorable in 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 that in in those questions, you may want to pick up deep purpose. Yeah. Uh, and um, and go out there and be a deep purpose leader. Yeah. Until then, go out there and super lead. Cliffcentral.com.